like right as the sun set, the wind started picking up, the rain started, and it only lasted four or five hours, I'd say, like the front, the worst of it. But that lightning that night was like, it was some of the scariest I've ever seen in my life. And we were all kind of inside the boat, looking up out of the companionway, up the mast. And it looked like, you know those balls that you put your hand on and all the electricity goes to the top? Above us, basically. So this light was, it was just constantly like flying through the sky above the mast. And we're the tallest thing for like 100 miles. And luckily, not one strike hit us, but they were all around us hitting the water. That's Brady Troutman, one of four core crew on SV Delos, sailing the world for over 10 years and sharing a hectic story of lightning at sea. One of many stories from this legendary vessel and crew on this Ocean Life podcast with me, Josh Peterson. Sailing vessel Delos is a 53-foot boat that has journeyed over 70,000 nautical miles, visited 45 countries, and kept safe over 50 different visiting crew for the past 10 years. Brady Troutman and brother Brian started their epic adventure together back in 2010 and have since added partners Karen and Alex to this core crew of four, sailing the world and documenting the people, places, and activities of life at sea. We hear from Brady and Alex today about the history of Delos, how a crew of four functioned together, their recent adventures in 2019, including sharks, lightning, and two transatlantic crossings, and hear their perspective on a sustainable life at sea and passion for creating their awesome SV Delos YouTube series. So definitely check them out online at svdelos.com and see their YouTube channel. It's by far some of the best ocean-focused videos out there that you'll see. I hope Alex and Brady help inspire you to get out on the water and find something new, whether it's an entire ocean away or just down the coast from you. There's always something new out there for each of us. Enjoy. So Alex and Brady, so right now, it's looking at you on Instagram and your website. You guys are all about sailing all over the world. We'll get into all of this blue water epic spots there's like this latest anchorage in the azores uh, my mind's spinning but right now you guys are in like tahoe california kind of <laughs> <laughs> not quite the, the the boat lifestyle you've been used to for so long yeah man i think after sailing for for 10 years and living on board and going from beach to beach it's really nice to balance life out and blue is actually from this area in tahoe so occasionally you kind of have to mix it up and we're living in the mountains and snow for kind of this whole season uh, until we probably get sick of it and then go sailing again. So just kind of to balance everything and make sure you always appreciate where you are. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I love that. So how does it feel like the coldness, the snow? I don't know if you jumped in like Tahoe because that sure ain't like warm water. So how's that kind of shock been for like the, the seasonal difference? We're breaking, uh, we're breaking Brady in. He grew up in Florida, so. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a shocker. Yeah, yeah. He's, his nickname this season is so far as uh, Sunshine Boy. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that yet. They're yeah. behind my back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, come to the, I've come to the conclusion that the right gear is so important. I mean, I remember when we used to go on trips in the snow, and I, I can remember I used to actually wear jeans underneath my snow pants <laughs> yeah. to stay warm because I didn't know any better. I'm like, oh, I'll just layer jeans under it. That seems warm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> now I've got like some good base layers, and I bought one of those crazy ninja suits that has like pizzas all over it. So, oh, yeah. Nice. Happy about that. Stay really Very warm. nice. Good, good. So, flipping back to like 
what you guys are all about, what we're really talking about here today is you've been, I'm going to throw out some numbers that I stole from your website and correct me if I'm wrong, just to kind of give folks listening sort of the scale of what you've been up to for a good decade, right? So 10-ish mm-hmm. years, you guys have been sailing, you've hit 45 countries, maybe more, over mm-hmm. log 70,000 plus miles on the ocean. Um, you've put out over 200 YouTube sailing videos. You've had like over 50 different crew, like folks joining you on, 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 on your trip. And so that's just an amazing like run at it all. I mean, so give us for folks who haven't seen you on Instagram, haven't seen your blog, haven't seen your YouTube videos, just describe what you're doing, who you're doing it with um, kind of day to day. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, I guess I could just start with kind of how it all started to get a little bit of a picture of um, my brother and I kind of started sailing back in 2010 together. Uh, He's 10 years older than me. So I'm 33 and he just turned 44. So when we first left 10 years ago, um, he was working for a company in Seattle called Microsoft. (laughs) And then, yeah, he ended up stopping that and started his own kind of consulting business where he started uh, building websites for people and stuff. And during this this time, I was in Orlando. I was in Florida uh, growing up with my mom because our parents got separated or divorced when I was just young enough to go with my mom, but he was just old enough to go off to college. So in Florida, I got really big into surfing and, and going out to the beach at the same time that he was kind of in Seattle doing his thing. Uh, but we stayed super close. So like throughout those 10 years that we were apart, before we started sailing together, we'd go and visit each other all the time. And just kind of, we always had a lot in common when it came to science or, or the water or the ocean. And then after a while, um, I was going to university for environmental engineering and I got into scuba diving. So I became a dive instructor and I moved down to the Florida Keys and started to learn to sail when I was down there. Mm. And at that same exact time, my brother was in Seattle and he lived on um, Lake Union and he started to sail on Lake Union as well. So it was kind of this perfect kind of mix of timing of us both learning to sail at the same time. And he and his previous partner decided, you know what, like the sailing thing's cool. They ended up getting a bigger boat and then a couple years later, a bigger boat. And then eventually they got uh, Delos, which is a 53 foot Amel Super Marmou. That's a French built boat, super strong, really good blue water capable boat and they pretty much said well we're going to go take a couple years off and go sail the south pacific and that's kind of at the same time i was almost done with university and i had my captain's license at the time that i was uh, taking scuba divers out to try and make ends meet during the summers um, when i wasn't going to school and he asked if i wanted to join for pretty much like a three-week trip so i would (laughs) yeah fly into mexico for three weeks and sail from uh, Puerto Vallarta in Mexico to the Marquesas. And yeah, those three, three weeks turned to into 10 years and, <laughs> and a career and a whole lot of other stuff. <laughs> Dude, that's so rad. So, so th- talk about that. So you, you're like, you get an invite from your brother and you're probably thinking about, oh, he's doing cool stuff. You go down to Puerto Vallarta, you jump on board. You're like, I'm going to go to Marquesas three weeks at sea. Yeah. At what point do you remember that, like that aha moment, or was it just kind of a gradual thing? You're like, uh, I don't want this to end. I'm staying out here. Like, did you? Yeah, you I that? think it was it was a series of both of those combined. I think I had those moments where I was like, 
this is what I want to do. Like I went to, to learn to scuba dive because that's what I wanted to do. I got my cap and slices because that was what I wanted to do, not for a career purpose. And I felt like my university was the career purpose, not what I wanted to do. It was mm-hmm. the opposite, right? So once I figured that out, that I was doing more and more of what I wanted to do and less of what I thought I should do, it was those moments like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense. Like, let's continue to do this. Um, it's not always the best decision financially to do that. <laughs> Probably never is, but eventually it works out. Um, but I remember when we got to the Marquesas and I was looking at flights to come home and I was just like, I feel like I just, like I just got started. Like it's the adventure is just beginning. Yeah. And yeah, it just kind of, okay, well maybe in a couple of months you'll leave, maybe in a couple of months you'll leave. And then it just kept pushing it off and pushing it off until I actually didn't have money to fly home. So. <laughs> that's probably by design. Oh, I'm too broke to go. I guess I better stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then yeah. Alex, when did you, how did you morph into this whole scene? Yes. Yeah, so I came in about three years ago and uh, had been kind of getting into a lot of the same things like scuba diving, traveling and sailing and um, had started my own business out of college doing photo and video work. Um, and then was bouncing in and out of California and going down to Central and South America and working down there a bit and doing some dive training and ended up working on a boat in Colombia for a summer that sailed backpackers between Colombia and Panama. Oh, and cool. that yeah, was, can you imagine that? Like how many backpackers were on that boat? Yeah, it was it was a ridiculous situation. <laughs> it was like 15 to 20 backpackers with a few crew on oh, wow. a 50 foot catamaran for five days at a time. Everyone was just... <laughs> I mean, we didn't even have a bed during that time. Oh right? yeah. I slept, I slept outside every night and everything, but that was definitely my first peek into the living at sea lifestyle. Right. And um, it just meshed so well with everything that I already had going on diving and just loving the ocean and um, filming and all that stuff. And so I was pretty much hooked after that came back to Tahoe for a winter. And then one day, one of my sailing buddies sent me a Delos video. I had never heard of him before. I didn't know that there was a sailing YouTube world going on or anything like that. (laughs) And uh, just, yeah, sent them an email. The subject line was wanting to get involved, smiley face. No way. It was just, yeah, right place, right time. Started talking to Brian, who's Brady's brother. And within a week, they, after a couple of FaceTimes, they pretty much just said, if you want to sail across the Southern Atlantic with us, be in Africa in one week. (laughs) (laughs) But you did it. You dropped everything and jumped. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I already worked for myself and so I didn't have to quit, you know, a proper job or anything like that. And I've been kind of vagabonding for quite some time. So I didn't really have too many ties. Yeah. But it was still, it was still a push. Uh, I think you answered back and said, can I have a week and a half? Yeah. I was like, can I have two weeks? <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll be all right. That'll work. Yeah. So flew over to Africa, met all these guys, hopped wow. on board. And shortly after me and Brady started dating and mm-hmm. I just never left. <laughs> ah, that's so rad. So then give us like the lay of the land. So you mentioned Delos. You've t- you described the boat, but like you, it's your brother, Brian, and I believe it's his wife as well. Or- yeah. Yep. And then the two of you. So there's four, but then other people seem to cycle through. So on a normal given day, we are out sailing somewhere. Let's just pretend when you're in in the Azores last or near there. So what's the format? It was the four you and then people are coming through and you're just picking a cool place to go. And then you go for it and just adventure. I mean, is that kind of high level? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, 
It definitely depends on what part of the world we're in. A lot of where we go and the decisions we make is based on weather. So we're always avoiding the hurricane season based on the north or south um, of the equator where the hurricanes are or cyclones are. And yeah, the other part is like, I mean, that's the best part about living on a boat is just free. You're free to go where you want when you want. So if you hear something cool about an island that's a couple days sail away, that's what you're doing. You want to go check it out and you want to, you want to do it that way. And then the people that we meet along the way are what make it all incredible as well. Like it's not just the places, right? It's all about the people and who you're with. So yeah, being able to sail with so many people over the years, like it's kind of a blessing and a curse because you, you grow so many incredible bonds with all these people, but then you always have to say goodbye. Like you're all, you're constantly being like, Oh, I'll see you later. But knowing that you probably won't sail back to these places for maybe never, maybe in 10 years, you don't really know. So it's, it's from that aspect, it's super challenging, but overall, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say, to answer your question, yeah, it's pretty much the four of us and then other people coming and going, us taking a break. Karen and Brian just had a baby, so they take a break, but that's pretty much the the equation. Yeah, yeah. So it's been the four of us for the past three years. Um, We're kind of the core crew on the boat, and then people have come and gone over there, and and the crew that we have on board is always pretty random. It's family and friends, or sometimes we do crew contests. So through our, our, our Patreon website, sometimes people can like um, join a contest and then we'll just pick a name out of a hat and be like, all right, this person is going to come out for a couple days, get your ticket here. Everything else is covered. Um, yeah. We've picked up random people that we've met and they're like, Hey, can we get a ride to the next Island? That's, that's always really fun. So it's just kind of the most important thing about crew on a boat specifically is getting along. Like you don't yeah. need to know how to sail. You don't need to know all these things about the ocean. You just need to be a good person and live in yeah. close quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, be, and be flexible and adaptable to yeah. constant change too. I bet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was watching, and again, I'm going to get into this, but you guys do such an amazing job, I think, at sharing what you're doing. You have like these 30-ish minute YouTube clips that are or videos. They're they're awesome. They're produced. There's music. There's a drone. There's overhead footage. I mean, they're just awesome. I've been getting lost in the last kind of week leading up to this, um, but. And what you mentioned too is you show what life is like on board, right? Because you guys are living on this boat. There's four people, and give us a little like the day to day. And yeah, the best part about being a, a member of a crew is that everyone pulls pretty equal weight. So the way that we do it on Delos is we have some schedule. So say for example, cooking day. If it's your cooking day, you cook lunch and dinner, and you you cook and you clean, and no one else should have to touch anything in the kitchen um, besides eating breakfast because everyone wakes up at different times, but it works out really well because there's one, you know, when you have five or six people on board, you have one day in the kitchen, you go all out make the best meal you can. And then for the other five days of the week, you don't, you literally just sit there and have a plate of food brought to you and cleared away from you. And, and that's it. And I think if you kind of apply that to everything else in the crew, we all take turns, we all uh, take watches. We have a watch schedule uh, but then on top of that, everyone sort of has their specialty that they're really good at. Um, say, for example, Brian and Brady are really good in the engine room and taking, you know, fixing all the things that are always constantly breaking on a boat. Yeah. And that is that skill set, in my opinion, is a lot harder to learn than sailing. It takes <laughs> yeah. longer and yeah. a different <laughs> set of uh, skills. Um, and then, you know, I came on board as a photographer and a videographer. So that's what I 
kind of excel in in that area. And everyone just has their own thing. People, some people are really organized. Some mm-hmm. people are, you know, into different things. Mm-hmm. So it works out really well when you bring a bunch of different people together and everyone has their own strength and everyone just kind of shines in their own way, but also carries the the weight together too. Yeah. yeah. And, and on board Delos, I think it, I don't know I haven't been on many other boats for long periods of time, but the way that we run it in the way kind of it's, it's like a community. So everybody's pretty equal. I mean, yeah, there's a captain that kind of makes the safety decisions and make sure that everything is safe for the boat and who's on board. But otherwise, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like, Hey, what does everybody want to do today? Or everybody cooks, everybody cleans. There's not any person that's kind of left out and it kind of creates a, a value in what you're doing. So everybody puts in the amount of work and everybody kind of enjoys the lifestyle of being able to sail and travel at the same time, which I don't know. And maybe other boats do that. Maybe other boats have their captain being fanned and fed grapes or I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Brady, just looking at the last episode of the dream Anchorage episode, which is so rad. um, It looks like, so do you do like a lot of the time are you responsible for like the captain duties? I mean, not all the time, but a good chunk of the time or is that? Um, it's generally my brother. I mean, when the four of us okay. are on board, my brother is, is like the captain at the end of the day, the boat is in his name. Yep. But it's never, like I said, especially with the boat, with the two of us, it's never like I'm the captain. This is what's going on. We're pretty yeah. diplomatic when it comes to that. We share a lot yep. of responsibilities and, and all four of us are, are really competent sailors and understand yeah. what's safe and what's not. So at the end of the day, we always make the most conservative decision. If there's one person in the group that's like, I don't feel good with that. That's mm-hmm. bad weather. Then we just won't do it. And, um, but lately because my brother and his wife went off to have a baby. Um, it's kind of the first time that I've taken over the boat all by myself with, with Ooh. just Alex and I running the boat. Uh, so that was definitely a step up from kind of like my brother and I co-captaining or whatever to, pretty much just me and Alex doing everything and bringing a bunch of new people on board and filming the whole thing and fixing the things and editing. And so it was, it was a very big challenge and, and very rewarding at the same time. Cause yeah. kind of, when there's the four of us on the boat, you know, just like any job, you find yourself in what you do best. You get kind of automatically put, put in places that you're comfortable. And when the four of us are on board, things just happen without anybody talking. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we have to kind of reverse all that and do everything and then teach people how to do it as well. Yeah, I get that. And you got four people who are so used to all the, like the, the ins and outs of just how to do things, the trick, the the tricks and tips of the boat, how she works and everything. And then you got to, you two got to teach or help new folks learn on the fly, especially if it's like, you know, kind of gnarly, there's, I don't know some wind happening or some bump or something where you got to sort of coach somebody while it's a little sketchy. I can see that. So yeah. kind of replay tw- 2019. I mean, we're talking 10 years and you've been to four to five countries and I would love to hear about all of it, but I mean, right now, where's the boat is Delos parked in the Azores. No, Delos is right now in St. Croix in the Caribbean. Okay. So the episodes that we're releasing now are, they, we use, about three to four months post-production, something like that. So like Got we it. have the footage, it takes quite a bit of time to edit the episodes because they are longer and we do try and really make an effort to make them as good as possible, something that we're super proud of instead yeah. of kind of a slower 10 to 12 minute thing. Yep. Uh, so because of that and, and other reasons, uh, the videos are yeah from three to four months ago. So since the last video that you've seen, we've sailed um, from the Canaries 
Oh, sorry. So why don't from, you start from the season, the beginning? Oh, of from the, the beginning of the season. Yeah. Okay. So in what month was that? June. June. Well, I guess we left a year ago. About a year ago, we left Antigua. Yeah. So from Antigua, uh, my brother and his wife got married there, which was cool. I actually married nice. them. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So they got married it's a there. Captain, you can do that, right? Kind of. It's kind of a you can do it, but it it depends on what country you're in. So I, yeah. I did the ceremony, but they still got it signed off by the local Antiguan court, um, which was really fun though. It was a great party, and oh, we got bet. all the family came down, and we did it on the bow of Delos. And so oh it, man, it was really good fun. And then she's she got pregnant, so we kind of made started making plans for them to fly back to Sweden uh, to have the baby because it's like the best place in the world to have a baby. Yep. You, know, you get paid there to have a baby. What? She's also Swedish. She's Swedish. Yeah, she's Swedish. Yeah, she is Swedish. That's, that's awesome. So yeah, that makes sense for him to go back there. Good call. Yeah, yeah. great, great healthcare and taken care of. And um, so then Blue and I started making plans of what to do, and we had two options. We could either go down to Bonaire and kind of stay down there during the hurricane season because you're you're so far south it really doesn't get hit by the by the storms, and pretty much just dive for four or five months and have friends come and visit us, which all this sounds incredible, right? Like it sounds, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> but I think it was the easy option for us. It was the, okay, we go down there, we sit at one acreage or maybe two and we just kind of go slow. And blue kind of came up with the idea that we should sail across the ocean to the Azores. Mm. <laughs> so we thought about it for, I don't know, a couple of days. And then we're like, all right, Fuck it, let's do it. That's it. Nice. We're gonna nice. Go. So we slowly sailed from there, from from Antigua up through uh, Puerto Rico, through the Bahamas, and then into Florida, where Brian and Karen left. They went and flew back to Sweden at that point, and this was in June. June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what happened? And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> we selected some other crew members to come with us. So we invited. A couple of our friends, and then we also a South African guy named Sean, Argentinian girl named Kia, and then we actually did a Delos scholarship this year where we kind of put it out to people that we wanted to take someone sailing that was between the ages of, I think we said sixteen to twenty-one, kind yeah. of like a younger person that mm-hmm. um, having an experience like this could potentially have the you know chance to form their life in a different way when they're at an age where they're about to be making a lot of decisions and be choosing their life path and stuff like that. So we ended up with this film kid from the UK named Ruben. He's going to film school there and he was awesome to have aboard. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah. Uh, But none of them had ever met before. So we all, they all came to flew to Florida and then we, from Florida, we sailed to Bermuda, hung out there for a couple of weeks. We sailed to the Azores. We were in the Azores for, I think, a total of two months at a couple different islands. Um, and then we sailed south to the Canary Islands. We were there for six weeks or something. Mm-hmm. And then we did another ocean crossing back to Antigua. So we kind of did a full lap that was about 8,000 yeah. nautical miles in about a year. Oh, that's insane. That is a lot cool. of sailing, man. It's a lot was of sailing. It? Yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> how many days per crossing was the first one and the second one? Um, are they similar or are they both like uh, well, different? Well, I think from the, the thing about the North Atlantic is that it's when you're sailing uh, the way that we sailed from Bermuda to the A's, Florida, Bermuda, Azores, it's cut up in lakes. So I think um, the first yeah. passage to Bermuda was a little under 10 days. And then from uh, Bermuda to Azores was 12, 12 days. 
and then another day or two to each island. And then it was, I think, a week down to the Canaries. And then hmm. our longest passage back was 19 days to get at was sea. Was it 19? Mm-hmm. From uh, Can- from <laughs> like, Canary Islands. It was, like 17. it was 19. It was 19, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's, that's a, a good one. a long one because yeah. you can't really stop anywhere in between. You could technically yeah. stop, go down and stop in Cape Verde, but we just it was time to get back, so we just went for it. Yeah. yeah. And you had your scholarship guy, Ruben, with you for that the return passage? He stayed on for three months, so he left in the Azores. He had to go back, and he had another semester starting in school. So uh, we had a different crew kind of hop on board okay. and sail, sail the boat back with us. You know, what's, cra- what's crazy is when we were when we left Fort Lauderdale, because we were at the dock there, or, or Pompano Beach area, we were at the dock getting a bunch of work done and just kind of getting Dallas ready for you know living off the grid for six, seven months and fixing everything that had broken the past year. And Ruben had never sailed before and like never really even done any boating at all, really. So no way. First, yeah, his first trip was leaving the dock and sailing offshore through the Gulf Stream for, yeah, eight days. Yeah. And then sailing to Bermuda. <laughs> and like our first, yeah, in our first couple hours off the dock, we get out of the canal and this massive squall just kind of comes up <laughs> about Florida rolling up on us and like big wind and lightning and rain and he got seasick and like yeah he struggled yeah. with some seasickness for sure over the season but he's a trooper about he was it. a he, trooper wow he hung in there what an epic like first like massive exposure to the ocean and sailing i mean that's something that that kid will remember like forever and ever yeah. and ever that's so cool yeah. that did that and that was kind of the idea behind it because sailing changed my life so much yeah. at a time when i exactly needed it and yeah I don't know. It just felt like a cool thing to do. We've done so many different contests and invited so many people over the years. It was like, let's try and give somebody young at a pretty pivotal time in their life a chance to experience something. And yeah, it worked out really well. He was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so much sailing. I mean, 10 years for you, Brady, you know, Alex been on for three. I mean, just two, two transatlantics kind of back to back ish. I mean, you see so much, you know, you not only just magical places, but you see heavy duty stuff like, oh, geez, all of a sudden we're in a weird spot. We didn't expect the weather or the wind or the current or whatever. Some kind of sketchy situations. You see animals. I mean, there's the list goes on and on. I mean, talk about some of the if you would like and maybe there's so many. But if you can pick a couple like sort of spe- memorable moments from last year of whether it yeah. was stationary or on the move. I mean, a couple of things that stand out in your guys' mind. I don't know. The. On our way to, is that on our way to Bermuda? Mm-hmm. The lightning and stuff? Yeah, I was I mean, say that one Yeah. I don't know, this whole Bermuda Triangle stuff, I never really <laughs> believed in it. But <laughs> 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 no, uh, yeah, we were, we were probably halfway from Florida to Bermuda, so literally in the middle of the ocean, nowhere. Yeah. And it's the time of the year when there's a lot of changes going on between the, the North Atlantic high, and you get these big, big systems that kind of roll off of, uh, Annapolis area and they always bring these cold fronts with them and they kind of just sweep over the whole Atlantic ocean and at their ends where that cold front is, they make these like microburst storms that sometimes can be predictable, sometimes not, but they always bring, I don't know, 30, 40 knots of wind, at least lots of rain and incredible lightning, like crazy lightning. Wow. And we had a few of those pass over us, but there was one, particular night that we saw this thing it it did show up like on the weather forecast so i knew it was coming like a day or two out which kind of sucks because you're like oh great 
I know there's massive lightning and big wind coming our way. You just kind of have to sit and wait. Um, but yeah, it hit us, of course, like right as the sun set, the wind started picking up, the rain started, and it only lasted four or five hours, I'd say, like the front, the worst of it. But th- that lightning that night was like, it was some of the scariest I've ever seen in my life. And we were all kind of inside the boat looking up out of the companionway up the mast. And it looked like, you know, those balls that you put your hand on and all the electricity goes to yeah. the top. I don't know what they're called, but yeah, yeah. Um, it was one of those above us, basically. <laughs> so this lightning just, was, it was just constantly like flying wow. through the sky above the mast. And we're the tallest thing for like five, yeah. hundred miles. Gnarly. And luckily, not one strike hit us, but they were all around us hitting the water. So we took, wow. we took all of our important stuff. We took our sat phone, some laptops, a camera, the yeah. hard drive of footage up to this point, because that's super important to film all this, right? <laughs> so you can't yeah, yeah. The content, baby. <laughs> yeah. And we put it all in our oven, because apparently the, the oven mm. works as like a Faraday cage that doesn't let electricity in. Wow. Yeah. and uh, But luckily, it never got to that point. It never hit us. The, the front just kind of passed off on them for the next six hours. You could just see lightning striking and it got further and further and further away from us. Wow. And that was kind of the first big thing that happened this season that was like, holy shit, that was not fun. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. want to do that. I don't want to be out here in that. It's not, you get adrenaline afterwards, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it's sketchy. Yeah. Full, it's, full it's white knuckled. I mean, were you guys sitting there with like fire extinguishers, like ready to like, <laughs> you know, you're just waiting. You're, you know I mean? Yeah. It's just, we didn't have fire extinguishers out. Everybody, every one of us had a camera in our hand. I know that because we filmed yeah. it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. We'd probably be okay if we got hit. It would more so fry all the electronics on the boat. Yeah. Got it. And then you're working with no GPS, no radar, no radio, anything like that. And you're hundreds, still hundreds of miles offshore and you're getting out the sexton at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, navigating by the stars and the sun. <laughs> yeah. We're not nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, talk about that. I mean, the age of digital, you know, everything with weather forecasts and radar. And, I mean, if in absence of that, do you guys, like, consciously take the time to pull out the sextant and try to just go old schools just in case the day comes yeah. when the electronics fail, you can still get 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 around? We have been a lot lately. I yeah, mean, the first the season the we first, got it out a lot and used it. Yeah, we didn't do it until actually Alex joined the boat, and she was like, "I really want to learn a sextant." So we bought like a cheap, it was like sixty dollars sextant mm-hmm. from West Marine, and then yeah, Alex has been using it a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's basically That's a cool. tool to measure angles in the sky, and then you're just using yeah. celestial bodies to to plot, and then you plug it into some equations and. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it's important What's to know. What's the closest that you've got so far? I think the closest I got was our position within like 15 nautical miles. I mean, that's so. pretty good, right? Like, that's really good. I mean, in middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you'll take 15 yeah. plus or minus 15 miles. miles. You know yeah. if you're going to hit yeah. land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think oh, it's awesome. super easy to just depend on the electronics. Yeah. Because um, they're so make everything so easy now. And I mean, a lot of boats are run off iPads and stuff yeah. now. So it's pretty yeah. crazy. So I think it's important to learn all that stuff if you are going to call yourself a proper sailor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so rad. So then pretty hectic situation with the lightning. And then how about like the animals and stuff? I mean, you guys are scuba diving. You're, you're in the water constantly doing a lot of different things, top side underneath. I mean, anything that stood out for you last year in terms of like interactions, a special moment or something with, with the animals. Hmm. Yeah. So we had, we dove with blue sharks this season, which was really cool. We went offshore in off of Fayel in the Azores and 
went out there in a boat and I don't know how, like a thousand, two thousand meters of water. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was you, about six thousand feet. Mm-hmm. And you basically, they have just lines that you uh, drop down and hang off to because you're drifting. There's like a big current coming through there. Yep. So you just drop down in your scuba gear, hold on to the line and wait for them to come through. Um, they were chumming a little bit, which I know chumming can be quite controversial and we've never Definitely. really um, been a part of it, any of it before. So it was a cool learning experience to learn the way that they do it and what works and what doesn't work and why it's causing problems in other places of the world. Um, but yeah, basically you just hang there in like 6,000 meters, meters of water and the sharks start coming through. And, um, so it's special to see them just cause they're such ancient creatures and yeah. they're getting destroyed <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. Um, and they have this, you know, crazy reputation where so many people are so scared of them, but they're definitely more scared of you are scared they're of you than you are scarish. of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, from the time we got to the point where the sharks were held, it, it took us like we were chumming for I think, three hours. Yeah, I think we were chumming for about two yeah. hours before just, we one even showed up. Yeah, and right. then you get in the water right. and they get scared away right, right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's actually, cool. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, they to us and we got some really cool shots. Yeah, did you? Yeah, that's so rad. What a neat opportunity to see that. I had a guy on, um, an Italian guy who does that. He's like a you know leads tours in the Azores, talking about that as well, saying that. Just as you mentioned, like you got to chum for multiple hours now to get a few to show up. Whereas, you know, five years ago, it used to be like you throw up just a yep. fish head in the water and there'd be a hundred of them, you know. So it's definitely changing, you know, unfortunately, as you're mentioning. Now, what about like I'm looking right now, I got the last YouTube uh, video up, the Dream Anchorage. Mm-hmm. And that I just I was glued to that one because it's like you guys found like like this insane little honey hole of a spot. Yeah. I mean, walk, walk us through that. I mean, it was just rad. Like, just part of what you're all about is adventuring and, and you're going to places that you maybe can see on a map, maybe you've heard of, mm-hmm. um, but until you get there and actually see it, and this looks, looked like one of those spots. It sounds like you guys had scoped it out and this was the right time to go there. I mean, how was it finding an ep- a spot like where you guys were? It's like a dream. I mean, you call it dream anchor. Yeah. It it's like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, how was that whole, uh, I think that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Like it's hard. We didn't really expect it in the Azores, but you can't anchor a lot of places. Like there's a lot of tying to wharfs. And when a, mm. when a sailboat's tied to a dock, you're basically just living in a tiny floating apartment that's right. attached to land. Like it, it loses its beautifulness of being a sailboat at anchor when you're tied to a dock. So then the reason that you can't really anchor so much in, in the Azores is because of those big low pressure systems that brought the lightning make their way all the way across and they change the wind 360 degrees and you can't be in an anchor when the wind is oh, wow. shifting. Every three or four days, the wind shifts all the way around the compass and can be pretty strong. So yeah. you're never you're never protected unless you're in a enclosed harbor. And we, for that specific anchorage, we saw a weather window coming up. And one of the local guys there had told us another boat had anchored there, I don't know, a few years ago or something. Hmm. And we just, yeah, we went for it. We're like, all right, we'll go out. The worst case scenario is the weather gets bad and we'll come right back to the harbor. And it was only about two hours from the harbor or something like that a little bit less maybe more and it was the perfect day like to drop the anchor and go into stern tie and just those cliffs and it was magical we had three days of flying the drone and just swimming and diving and it was kind of recharges everybody because we just spent i don't know how long were we at the dock before we went there 10 days 10 days or something so wow so you're stir crazy ready to go and you're like you're doing a lot of land adventures and you're learning the culture but all of us are there to like live on the water yeah so even when you get three or four days 
of that, it kind of recharges you and you're like, okay, we can go back to the harbor now for the bad yep. weather and then we'll do right. it again when we can. Yeah. So yeah. finding finding that spot was was great. It'll forever be one of my favorite anchorages. Yeah, it's magical. And for folks yeah. listening, I'll put a link in the show notes to this video because it's like anybody listening, like we all dream about like that spot where it's just you and your crew just yeah. in beautiful blue water and warm sun and you guys found it. So I'm going to put it in there for all of us in the middle of winter, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, those guys depends where we're at. Yeah. Snow. What are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But you know, so we're talking about sailing so much, it, but you're also guys are, we mentioned you, 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 you scuba, but you, I see stuff of surfing, you're boogie boarding or bodyboarding. You're doing other things in the ocean. I mean, so as you guys are creeping around, you're like, oh, there's a wave. Let's jump out and surf. So it's pretty opportunistic where you got the gear and when the conditions are right, whether it's diving or free diving or, you know, you jump out and you're, you're ready to go just depending on what, what, what fun is to be had there. Yeah, it's kind of with, with sailing, it's always the most important thing is to find a safe place for the boat. And a lot of time for surfing, you're on the opposite side of the island. Like surf is always not where you want to be in a boat, where you right, want to anchor, right. where you want to relax. So we don't actually surf very much as much as we, we yeah. should or as much as we'd like to. Um, diving, on the other hand, calm, protected, clear water is perfect. So our main thing is diving. We have a compressor on board. We have five tanks. So a lot of times we'll research a place before we go there and look at the dive sites and try and get as close as we can to those dive sites and just dive straight off of our home which is probably the coolest thing you can ever imagine. Just kind yeah. of waking up, filling the dive tanks and diving straight in with your cameras. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. It's very special. Yeah. And then to balance out the uh, conditions for diving, like Brady said, you always want, you know, calm days with no swell and all that. But if the wind's picking up or anything like that, then we did get into kiteboarding this last year, yeah. which goes very well with a sailboat and is, a steep learning curve, but once you get it, it's incredibly fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. Man. And they do go hand in hand because mm-hmm. when the wind's up, you kite. When it's down, you dive. Yep. Oh, it's not a bad uh, bad options there for you. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> and then I see some stuff, too, of getting towed around, I think, by your dinghies at Maggie, that little yeah, inflatable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like foiling, too. Like she, foil she's surfing. actually aluminum, man. Yeah. She's not an inflatable. Oh, really? She's like a solid oh. aluminum rib, yeah. Wow, that's cool. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crocodile-proof is what, <laughs> what they said in Australia when we no bought way. it. No <laughs> Oh, that's badass. But, yeah, so you're foiling. You got all kinds yeah. of fun stuff to do. So, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of like my – what you guys are doing is like, yeah – Get a boat. It's your RV in the water. It keeps yeah. you safe. It keeps you dry. It's not always easy, but then we, it gets you to that spot. And once you're in that spot, you have, okay, what are we going to do? You know, we're going to fish. We're going to dive. We're going to yeah. surf. We do other stuff, you know. So that's just, I mean, it's what you guys are all about. Yeah, man. And, and it's, that's, I think, when I go back to talking about balance, like the videos are incredible and they show like these glimpses, these incredible glimpses of our lives. But at the end of the day, the hardest thing is to balance doing that stuff and then filming it, and then it's all a job at the end of the day, too, right? It's the best job in the world, but at the end of the day, we find ourselves sometimes sitting inside for, like, two, three weeks on our computer at a beautiful anchorage, and you're in front of your laptop for 10 to 12 hours a day editing episodes, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what am I even doing here and then you and then you go out and you do like incredible stuff for a couple days and you and you do that and then you go back to office life in the boat so we we do show it we don't show it that much because when we get into work mode we just like put our headphones on and and zone in like i'm sure a lot of people do for editing 
And like, for example, our episodes are 20 to 30 minutes usually is what we shoot for. And for every like one to two minutes of edited footage, it's like two hours, two to three hours of work, like finalized. And that's not filming. That's just the finished episode. So each episode takes us 50 to 60 hours of actual work. And then we're putting one out every Friday. So if you do, if you do the map on that, we, we we do have, you know, we have me, Alex, we all edit. So we all work and we all do it. So me and Alex and Brian and Karen, and then we have two other crew that have been sailing with us uh, in the past that also edit for us offline. One lives in Indonesia and one lives in Austria. So we have a solid six people that help us get through the footage and make sure we make those Friday releases. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it shows, I mean, just the dream Anchorage one that I watched last night, I've seen a couple others. It's like 20 something minutes. It's like legit. I mean, so much YouTube's like, Hey, check us out on YouTube. You go there like, Oh, there's an eight minute clip. It's kind of funky. It's fun. But this is like, you can stitch all these together and just keep like binge watching. Like you binge watch some kind of Netflix series. I mean, they're really good. Like you yeah, guys do a so. great job and it really shows. Thanks. And I appreciate, that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think we've ever since the beginning started making YouTube videos, we really wanted to, like I said, make something that we could look back at 20 or 30 years from now and laugh at. Yeah. And also just be like, like do something that impresses us and we're happy with. It'd be really easy to do, you know, 10 to 12, 15 minute vlog style stuff. That's, it's kind of weekly, but yeah, I guess for us, it's not, it's not what we want to do. Yeah. It's fun too. It's fun. We all enjoy Yeah. We enjoy editing and creating creative um, outlet. And depending on who gets, because like you said, we have so many different editors. If you give the same footage to any one of us, you're going to get a different edit out of it, Yeah, which I think is really cool. Um, And having different people in the rotation kind of keeps giving each edit, you know, each episode a little different flavor and, keeps things fresh. So it's definitely fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so part of this too, is you're sharing, but it's also like a means to bring in some money to keep funding what you guys are doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think the quality of what you're doing probably helps that. And so, and there's many other folks who are left life behind sailing and doing other things and like hoping to get, you know, run ads on, have a great YouTube following and get ads or have people donate and everything. But it looks like you guys have been able to parlay your skills, behind the camera and production it is something that keeps you moving. Like you're getting, you have funds to continue this lifestyle that you have. Yeah. Is that hard? Yeah. Like the constant, like, Oh, we're, I don't know, need to do an extra video this month because we need more ads or I don't know. Like, I'm not, how does all that work? And does it yeah, work? Luckily, luckily for us, it's never been like that. Like, Oh, we need to make this many videos to make the money. It's always been, we, we try as hard as we can, at least to just do it for the love of it and yeah. the money comes because of that, because the authenticity yeah. hopefully shows sure. through. Yep. Um, but once it becomes too much of a job, it's like, or you're trying too hard to get followers or subscribers or all of this, these weird YouTube games. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'd rather just go off and make money doing something else, yep. save yep. and then go sail for fun. Right. It, you know, it, it becomes too much at some point and you're like, well, why am I even doing it? So I think for us, we're, we're constantly trying to walk that line. Uh, but it definitely has turned into a business and it has been successful. I mean, we're able to, to live on the boat and sail full time and, and live here in Tahoe and have a job when when we're here doing this sort of stuff and still be creative. So, yeah. Awesome. And that's That's basically in full thanks to our patrons that support us on Patreon. There's a group of about 2000 people that donate per episode 
Um, nice. And they can name their own price that they want to donate. And that's, we, we release the video a week early to them. Um, and then it ends up going out for free. So they're really just supporting to, yeah. you know, be a part of it and support it. A lot of people cancel their cable subscriptions and just start watching YouTube or, I mean, the media landscape and the way people are consuming it is changing so much that they're realizing they can just pay, um, uh, pay creators directly and Patreon's basically a platform for that. But that's right. the, the main way that the project nice. is kept afloat. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And I love the, the, as you mentioned, Brady, the authenticity of it is so, it's really where it's at, you know, whether it's 10 minutes or 30, it's like the, the pure authenticity of what you guys are doing really comes through just talking to you and seeing your stuff, you know, just on your Instagram, but also the YouTube. I mean, that stuff, it, it's, it's so key because there's so much, I shouldn't say junk, but non, non-authentic stuff out there, sure, which is, yeah. you know, and everybody's searching for like the real authentic stuff, you know, so you, it comes through really well for what you guys are doing. Thanks, um, I appreciate that. Now, another aspect too of like you guys life at sea is trying to be, green you know it's like you have trash you you go to places probably countries you're like oh they really have it figured out with their trash or whatever that is and you've been to other countries where you're like oh wow this is gnarly there's so much plastic there's so much pollution there's so much what have you i mean how are you guys trying to be like as you know eco-friendly and environmentally conscious as possible because it's not always easy right at sea you're buying stuff it's in plastic, you know, whatever that might be. So, and then I noticed one, one uh, clip you showed us like the, the anti-fouling paint on the bottom of the boats, it's eco-friendly. So just talk a little bit about what you guys are trying to do with Delos and trying to be as eco-conscious as possible. <laughs> I would say. Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I don't <laughs> no, know. No, no, no. It's a great it's thing to talk hard on. Question. Yeah, awesome. I think it's, I think it's uh, frustra- frustrating a lot of times because in most of the places that we're going to, uh, don't have the means of being eco-friendly or they're just not, they're a little bit behind the times. And so, you know, a lot of places you go provision in the uh, Caribbean and you're buying one bell pepper that's on a styrofoam tray wrapped in plastic. And it's like, you don't have a choice. You don't have somewhere else to go. So you have to be buying that stuff. And it can be extremely frustrating at times. Um, But yeah, we just try to be conscious of, of, what, and then a lot of places don't have recycling that we go either. Yeah. So it can actually be really hard on the boat to um, be yeah, put in that position. But just, I mean, whenever I shop at a store like that, I just try and tell, tell the people at the register, like, look, I want to buy these things and I'm not going to because they're, you know, put in this way. Mm-hmm. And if every cruiser that came through did that, they would probably start to listen. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, going around, picking up trash and talking to local kids about it because they, they don't know, right? Yeah. They don't know. Yeah, like, they're right, not yeah. taught. Right? right. So if right. you walk around a little Island with a trash bag and you're picking up trash and they're looking at you like you're crazy, well, that's a good place to start a conversation with them. Yeah, cool. it's, it's really just like a lack of knowledge. Yeah. Um, I mean, that part is definitely hard, but like living on Delos specifically living on a boat, it's pretty easy to live sustainably, not necessarily buy sustainably, but most of our power comes from solar and wind. Mm-hmm. Um, we make our, our water from the ocean. We have to run the generator for that, but it, it burns a fraction of a, a liter of a diesel liter of diesel to actually make water. Um, we have a really good battery bank. So a lot of the time we cook off um, electricity, we cook off a lithium battery bank. So we're not using propane on board. None of us have cars. We None have of us have one cars. Car that's you know, we have a dinghy. Yep. Um, and that was a very good example. The bottom paint, we're always trying 
to do things different, even if they aren't going to be like the bottom paint, I would consider it 110% success. Like yeah. stuff still grows. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, we were in a position to try things and we have an audience to show things. So uh, the bottom paint doesn't have copper in it and it doesn't have any biocides yeah. that are, that kill stuff. Yep. Um, and it's good. I mean, yeah, we have to scrub it more often, but at least we're not dumping copper into every anchorage you go into. Yeah, yeah. Pretty soon that kind of paint is going to be illegal anyway. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So then yeah. here we are 2020, you guys are taking a little break from life at sea. You're in Tahoe. So mm-hmm. what's, what are you looking at for, for 2020 now? What you're going to stay in Tahoe for a bit and then what, get back on Delos and what do you think? Yeah, man, that's a very, very good question. We kind of talk about it all the time and that <laughs> question comes up a lot. Um, yeah, Brian and Karen came back to the boat uh in early december with the, with the baby and um so alex and i is perfect because we, we had the boat for six months and then we're like all right we're gonna go leave for six months yep and i think from this point like i've been on living i've been living on delos for 10 years you know and and i think i'm ready for something new and challenging and different and i don't think i'll ever not sail on delos but i'm definitely not going to be living on delos full-time anymore like mm-hmm. have it be my home base so yep. blue and i talk about finding a home base and what that means. And I mean, as far as Delos and sailing is concerned, uh, Brian and Karen are headed North towards Annapolis and probably towards Greenland this summer. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. The plan right now is to hop on and and go up to Greenland and sail there for a bit. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of enjoying the answer to answer that question saying, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You know, just evolve and change. Yeah. Like be, let the Delos project speak to me and tell me to follow my heart, just like it tells other people. Yep. And to figure out what that is, is kind of what we're doing now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We have very a cool. very, very long list of ideas. I can guarantee a few things though. There will be sailing in our future. There will be videography. There will be yep. us being creative, creating yep. film or documentaries or something. There will yeah, be travel. Excellent. There will be all that stuff mm-hmm. at some point. Yep. yep. So, Good. All the pieces will fall in place. You stay true to those <laughs> core passion spot, you know, things and everything else will just shape up around you. That's it, man. That's, that's hopefully how it works. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's how it's worked so far. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, I really appreciate you guys' time and hearing about what you've been up to at Delos for so long. And I'm going to keep, again, hyping up the, the website, the YouTube channel. I'll put links in the show notes. It's so fun. It's so cool. And uh, you guys are doing an awesome job. So just thanks again for, for thanks, today man. for being yeah. here. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. If you like what you heard, would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with people you know who might enjoy the stories that we hear and the guests we have on. And, of course, even better, reduce plastic, do something good for the ocean and for each other. Thanks again. We'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>